This is Damon Albarn, and you're listening to Hallelujah Monkeys, the number one gorillas podcast in the world. Welcome to Hallelujah Monkeys for October 15th, or hopefully. My name is Dylan Flynn. I'm Trevor Ickrath. Dylan, happy Monday, hopefully. Happy Monday, hopefully. A lot of podcasting going on right now. A lot now. of, we, we, we've, we've been busy. We're kind of just cranking them out right now. We're podcasting machines Well, right we're, we're both really hyped about Gorillas at the moment, I think, because we've got Demon Days Live coming up in like a week. I'll be there in a few days, and we'll be having a crazy misadventure with each other and with some of our very lucky listeners. I mean, you've seen the title of this episode. You know that things are crazy things are happening. Things are popping off. Before we even touch that stuff, Trevor, I want to do a little bit of podcast business up front. Um... I want to announce that you can finally listen to this fucking show on Spotify. Yes, the, the streaming platform with the logo that's as green as Murdoch Nichols' skin. The large print giveth and the fine print taketh away, as Tom Waits once said. And the slight bummer to that is we had to change hosts to finally get onto Spotify, which means that at the end of this month, we're taking the SoundCloud down. Yeah. It's not going to be down. It's probably actually going to still be there. It's just not going to get new stuff on it. And I know because of, of the metrics, I know that there's several hundred of you who listen to us on SoundCloud, but I have pretty good news for you, which is that, first of all, you can listen to us on Spotify for free. That's that's one great thing. But also, you can go to our new home on the web, which is monkeys with a Z dot podient p-o-d-i-a-n-t dot c-o and that'll still play streaming episodes on your phone just like it does on soundcloud and of course still on itunes as well anywhere else you can get podcasts what do we do here do we start the news segment officially or do we do something else first or do we do that thing on the other side of the news segment what do we do here well before we start talking about uh the news let's talk about another um gorillas news outlet that i think you and i are both familiar with uh gorillas unofficial because they've been busy as well in the past couple weeks they sure have gorillas unofficial of course where you and i met of the website itself no longer is up i don't believe but it's right I, I don't believe i don't believe it's being operated by james anymore i think it's kind of like a ragtag team operating out of a discord yeah it's a very active discord and mm -hmm. uh, and active doesn't even begin to describe what's happening because out of the gorillas unofficial community a movement has been born and that movement's name trevor is free the sea and i figure rather than you and us kind of dryly explaining it like we do with most gorillas news we know these fucking guys gorillas and officials they're our buddies so yeah so why don't we have a few of them on the show to talk about what they're currently up to okay let's talk to hunts and let's talk to ryan yeah what's it the Hunt and Ryan, welcome to Hallelujah Monkey. Hey, so happy to be here. Happy to have you guys on the show. Now, our listeners, of course, know Ryan from last year's Live at the Forum episode. Right, uh, he showed up there. And then Hunt is a, is a dear, close friend of the show. We've always enjoyed Trevor when he would post his uh, his kind of line by line as it happens episode recaps from the Discord. 
Oh, Hunts is that guy. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, he also did the news roundup for us in that big, crazy news roundup we did recently. One of, so. one of my one of my favorite little stretches of Howl Monkeys, probably, in recent memory. That was fun. So thanks, Hunts. No problem. He made it all happen. Um, we're having you on here for a specific reason, gentlemen, and that is... Free the sea. So let's get let's get elemental. What is free the sea? Uh, free the sea is a fan petition we've started. Uh, me, myself, hunts, um, must on gorillas unofficial, um, on gorillas unofficial, red righteous, and several others to basically convince Damon Alburn, you know, to politely prod him into. Uh, releasing some of the lost plastic beach material, which, which of course, in the community has always been referred to as C sides. Yes, in the classic Gorillas sides collections, there right. was G sides, D sides, but we never got C sides. Right, right, not yet. And and what 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 inspired the this most recent heavy heavy push to try to get this material once and for all? Uh, recently, Griff did an interview with Damon Albarn. Uh, that where he mentioned that there was 200 unreleased Plastic Beach songs, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, 200. From that era, not necessarily for Plastic Beach, but... Yeah, so we're also talking about Carousel and possibly Good and Bad McQueen ter- material as well. So, so this is this is Austin Griffin of... of uh, you'll actually hear him on a future episode of the Patreonkeys Club, as a matter of fact. Yeah, we recorded a little mini-episode about uh, Endless, which is yet to come out. Oh, nice. Oh, hell yeah. And then I believe Zedzilla also was involved with this interview? Yes, correct? he was. He was uh, his audio technician for the interview, which I think was just an excuse to get him in there. <laughs> I want to know details. So, is this successful so far? How many signatures do you guys have currently? Um, I can check right this second. We have five thousand eight hundred and eighty signatures. Holy shit, man! It's quite a few people. This is like a thing. This yeah. is a real thing that's happening now. <laughs> and it's been up for like I think a, a little bit over three days, right? I think it's been over two days. It hasn't been three days quite yet. Oh, nice. And so, so what's the plan? What's the end goal with this free the sea petition campaign? The end goal here is to print out a bunch of copies of a neat little table of everybody's names, some nice messages, and get it into Damon Alburn's hands in front of his face during the Demon Days Festival. Wow. Wow. So he can see with his own eyeballs just how much this material would mean to people. Quite the mission. Our listeners, so lucky that the two best podcasters in all of the Gorillas fandom <laughs> are going to be at this festival to document this this hallowed, this sacred moment when the Free the Sea petition is, is presented to Damon Albarn, and he has no choice but to finally say once and for all, I don't really love you and I'm never giving you this material. <laughs> or it is, it is going to be a nice little narrative sequel to uh, our initial hunt for him at our show at the Forum uh, last year. What if he reaches into his breast pocket and pulls out a golden thumb drive and hands it to you? <laughs> I've thought about that every day for the last 10 years almost. <laughs> This is a big moment, and this is a special thing, and I really want as many of our listeners as possible to get involved. So how can people go? Where, where do people go? How do they find the Free the Sea petition so that they can sign it? Uh, well, we have a, a Twitter account. It's probably the best place to find everything. We're posting updates on there. You can get access to the petition on there. It's uh, twitter.com slash free the sea one. 
Couldn't get that free to see, huh? So just to be clear, it's free to see and then the number one. The number one, that's correct. So people go, they sign that, they leave a little message, and then theoretically, you know, the, after Demon Days, perhaps, D- Damon Albarn lays in his hotel bed and pours over it and reads your special message to him. Yeah, I guess... Gets a little teary-eyed. I mean, that seems like something that Phase 5 Damon Albert would do, doesn't it? It really does. Well, as far as I'm concerned, this is the Gorillaz fandom, like, hands-across-America moment. And I know that that's a reference that most of our listeners don't get. <laughs> but I, this, what I mean is that this is a moment in Gorillaz history, and it's here at the at the... At least at the start of a, of a new hiatus in the project, and just don't miss your opportunity to be involved with this big, crazy Hail Mary pass. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Sure. And we will see you guys at Demon Days. Hell yeah. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, on the show, you guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, and free the fucking sea. <laughs> okay, now that we're done with all of that business, so let's get into the proper, classic, Howl of Your Monkeys, Gorillas News segment. Let's talk about the news. It's all good news now. Um, you know, it's been less than a week. What do you expect? Yeah, not too much going on, although they have played a few more shows since we last circled up. We mentioned that amazing Griff and uh, Zedzilla interview th- with Damon. You should definitely go check that out. There's lots of tidbits in there, in addition to the whole revelation of there being 200 songs from the Plastic Beach uh, sessions that Damon might consider releasing. What's some of the other stuff that cropped up in that interview, Trevor? I think he talked about maybe wanting a future Gorillaz album to be like multicultural music with like different styles from different countries and sung in different languages and not really feature his voice at all. I thought that was pretty interesting. This feels like kind of an inevitable Damon Albarn idea. Oh, yeah. I mean, I like I, I feel like Maui music was a step in that direction, but I could definitely see him continuing down that path in the future. Okay, so there was this uh, this in-character interview to kind of promote uh, the festival coming up. Yeah, I tried to read this, but I wouldn't turn off my ad blocker and the website wouldn't show me otherwise. The Orange County Register might be trying to squeeze every last fucking thin dime out of its readership, and I understand that print media is a dying industry, and I wish them all the best, but this is not... This was a puff piece, my friend. Yeah. So Murdoch's back, and and he's still he's in this interview. We still don't have a proper kind of lore bridging update, right? Right. We we don't know what happened after he showed up on the back of that yak. Back of that yak. Suddenly, now he's in the band again. Yeah. So you know that still that still needs to be settled. Uh, but the interviewer kept saying like, "Hey, I know you guys had some crazy guests at the last one. Any guests this time?" And they're always very. They dodge everything. Everything yeah. very tight lipped. Mm-hmm. Murdoch Nicholas at one point says, "All I'll say is this: it'll be dark, demonic, and kick you square in the soul." This is your typical postcast Brown Murdoch Nichols writing. Mm-hmm. First of all, it has no bearing on what this festival is being sold as, which is like a big loving family event. Yeah, but it, it did bring up a little point that I wanted to quickly run past you. Something I've been thinking about: Do you think that that the that this festival is fairly undersold right now that they're that they're trying to get tickets out there it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest i mean does gorillas really have like the star power and brand recognition to pack a full festival devoted to itself it was about a month ago i think that they really started pushing the get your tickets now because it's the last time you get to see them 
thing. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's kind of curious to me is that no live streaming has been announced for this show yet. Yeah, I mean, maybe last time they had the power of Red Bull behind them. You got to remember that. You would assume for it being the big last hurrah gorillas show that there would be some live streaming. And I'm not saying that there isn't. But if the show is undersold, they probably don't want to announce that until, like, day of. Yeah, maybe they're keeping a lid on that to kind of promote people to go see it in person. On top of that, this interview is just making me think, like, if if they are really trying to get bodies and seats, and I know that there's no seats, I'm just using an expression, don't you think if they had an ace in the hole, no pun intended, <laughs> that... It would behoove them to say, and guess what? Snoop Dogg is going to be there or whatever. Right. Yeah. You want to talk about live gorillas stuff? Yeah, let's let's talk about these live shows because we've got some fun, interesting stuff to cover, starting with this Philly show, which uh, my mom went to. Yeah, I want to get to that in a minute. Let's go through some set highlights first. So they're still doing Latin Simone. Soundcheck didn't have anything new in it, but they did do an all acoustic set that I heard was connected to potentially like a radio session or something. Interesting. I'd definitely be interested in seeing a Gorillaz Unplugged set. But he, but here's the really weird, mind-blowing thing. We mentioned that they were sound-checking Lil Dub Cheffin at, I believe it was the Montreal show, I want to say. Yeah. I think this might have actually started at Montreal, and it just reports hadn't streamed out yet. But at least starting with Philly, they've begun to play M1A1 at the beginning of the set like they usually do. Yep. But they segue into a Lil Dub Cheffin like end section of the song. In the in the year of 2018, truly wild. We got to get comment from Diversive on this. We, <laughs> Absolutely. we have to reach back out to Diversive, ask him what he thinks about all this. I think this might be further evidence that Damon Albarn listens to the show and that he's doing this to torture me personally. Because you will remember that I called M1A1 my least favorite gorilla song. And since then, I have mentioned how many times we have had to listen to it in the service of this podcast. It's true. Many times. And I think he's just saying, like, just give it another shot, man. I'm going to keep making you give it another shot until you like this. Would you like it if it was dub? Would you like it in a treat? <laughs> I'm all for it. I think it's crazy and wild. I can't wait to see it. I, I can't wait to see it live, obviously. It's going to be great, yeah. They're also, this didn't start at uh, Philly, but we didn't talk about it previously. They're also closing out the main set with Plastic Beach now. I know you wanted to mention something about that. Yeah, I think this is so great to see that this this popping up in um the final couple shows of this Gorillaz tour, because it really does feel like a nice bow at the end of the story of Damon's kind of contentious relationship with that material. Well, let's not forget how this phase live started because after that initial print work show and it was well into the tour before they even did on melancholy hill yeah and then he didn't even want to sing it the first time they played it remember that like he made the audience sing it and how far we've come now that that not only is plastic beach material like slowly but surely crept into the set they they end the main set with the title track it it, fe it feels really good. It's it's a nice little there's a beauty on the road moment, you know? Definitely. Now, let's talk about your mom. <laughs> sure. <laughs> do you want to talk Philly. about my mom or do you want to talk to my mom? Because I haven't told you, Dylan, but I actually <gasps> was able to get on the phone with her yesterday and we recorded no. a little segment of her telling me what she thought of the Gorilla Show. No. Okay. I know you've wanted to have my mom on the show talking about <laughs> Gorillas forever. 
and I saw this opportunity and I thought you'd really enjoy to hear from her firsthand about her experience at the concert last night. Okay, we go now to Trevor and his mom talking about Philly. Hi, everyone. Hi, Gorillaz fans. This is Trevor's mom. I went to the Philly show this week at the Wells Fargo Center and it was amazing. If you are planning on seeing them, you are in for a treat. This was like the um this was like the fourth time you've seen them, right, Mom? This was the fourth time I've seen Gorillas. You saw them the at you saw time, yeah, at the Demon first Days time Live. I saw them was at the Apollo Theater. Yep, in two thousand six. In two thousand and six. Then you saw them and, uh in two thousand ten for the Escape to Plastic Beach tour. In Camden. Yep. And then I saw them last year in Philly. It was an outdoor festival on Right, the that got that got a little rained out, so they had to cut it a little short, right? They cut it a little short, but it was still amazing because right. it, it was outdoors, and so you could really get up close to the stage. There was no seating, um, and it, because it was outdoors, he was just in a great mood. Everyone was just in a great mood. Yeah, he's Damon's been in a great mood at these girls' concerts, and it's been really exciting. Uh, it was this week was unbelievable. Yep. He sang to the audience. He just was hamming it up. He was uh, he came out into the audience a couple of times. And he talked a lot about how Gorillaz is going away for a while, right? He did. Not in the beginning of the show, but towards the end of the show he did. He stopped and he made that speech and you could you could tell through the whole concert that this was this concert was his love song to all of the followers. He just was really so into this show and singing to the audience. Well, these are these are some emotional shows. You know, they they know that they're going away for a while. So you're lucky that you got to so, see one of them. Right. And so, and so it was emotional. And so after and so knowing that he he they are going away, they're taking their little break and looking back on those songs makes me read into them more that that's how that's what was going on as he was writing them. Yeah, I, I didn't really think about that uh, while listening to the new album, but it's definitely been on my mind, like revisiting some of those songs now, knowing that like he's actually planning to close the book on it for a while. It's a bittersweet thing for him to be doing, I think. Sure, yeah, he, he's a bittersweet kind of guy. He really is. Yeah. It was it was just a really good concert, and not because I know I'm not going to see them again, maybe just because of the way he played it all up and was showing his appreciation to his audience and how much he loved them. Um, it, it was nice to see them two years in a row. Yeah, it's it's been interesting having them around for such a long period of time. And I am going to miss them. Me too, definitely. I think everyone's going to really miss having the gorillas around. Like, you start feeling like you, you really do know the guy, you know? Yep. Well, that was a good concert review. Thanks for being on the show, Mom. Oh, no problem. It's, I just, uh, you know, I love gorillas, and I love sharing my love for them. Of course. And I hope everybody who goes to see them appreciates the show as much as I did. I know you're going to be seeing them, and I know you're going to have a great time. Yep. I, I can't wait to make a podcast about it. Me too. I can't wait to hear it. All right. Well, that was my mom talking about gorillas live in Philly. Nothing sweeter has ever happened on this show. I love that. And I also want to start my own fan petition to officially call this whole end of Gorillas hiatus, quote, their little break. 
because that that really she didn't mean it this way but it's the perfect like underhand way to roll your eyes at the fact we didn't talk about this by the way trevor but you and i have been around long enough to know that david kind of does this at the end of every phase i mean yeah we're in the mega phase right now so it didn't happen at the end of humans and some of you listening are too young to remember this but the fact that he's saying maybe 10 years is actually quite the improvement over the end of the demon days era when he said I'm done with gorillas forever or the end of the plastic beach era. When he was like, I hate Jamie Hewlett and I never want to see him again. I mean, you know, their little break is a perfect way to describe what this is. And, and hey, who doesn't need a little break, right? For sure. Thank you so much, Trevor's mom, for coming on the show. That was great. But we have other live stuff to talk about, too, right? Because uh, the fun doesn't stop there. They they played a show in Brooklyn the other night where they soundchecked Give Me the Night uh, by George Benson. What's that mean? Does that mean that George Benson's going to be there to do humility in the, in, at Demon Days or whatever, and like Damon feels embarrassed that he's not giving him more to do? And they're going to cover it? That would be pretty cool. Most Def showed up at Philly to do uh, Stylo. And that's all he did. Yeah, but they have been, they've been sound-checking um, sweepstakes, haven't they? Maybe they're building up to doing the sweepstakes at Demon Days Live because the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble is going to be there, right? I mean, that's a pretty good theory, too. I'd love to see it. You know how much I love that song? One, one, one of my favorites on Plastic Beach, yeah. And as of this recording, I believe a bunch of people are currently waiting in Boston to see them take the stage. As we're recording this, again, we can't see into the future. By the time it's up, you'll know what happened. This is the one stop on the tour. I mean, they also have a set at Demon Days. But this is the one stop on the tour where Little Dragon is opening, which I think means, obviously, uh, Empire Ants and to binge watch is, is on high alert. I would say I'd expect Empire Hands to happen, but I would be pretty surprised if they pulled out to binge. Should be a great show in Boston uh, tonight, and uh, if you're listening to this when it drops and you're like, what are you talking about? Damon fell off the stage and broke all of his ribs. We don't know that yet. We didn't hear. So we, we can't we can't speak to that. Fingers crossed, though. Fingers crossed that David is wheeled out onto the stage at Demon Days in a full body cast. <laughs> he should get that um, He should get that throne that uh, Dave Grohl and Axl Rose used. Yeah, for sure. Google that thing. Mm-hmm. You'll know what we mean. Hey, so that's the gorilla's news. Let's let's get to this very exciting thing that we haven't really talked about that much yet. I don't think anybody saw this coming, least of all you or me. <laughs> no, but my um, but the woman who birthed me is not the only very special guest that we have on today's program. And of course, don't forget Hans and uh, and Ryan, who are also quite special. But I but I think I think if I had to rank them from specialist <laughs> to least special, I might go number one with a bullet. Sean Ryder, who's on the fucking show today. <laughs> yeah, uh, singer of the Happy Mondays and uh, Dare featuring artist, Sean Ryder. We talked to Sean Ryder on this podcast about gorillas. Now, Dylan, Dylan, everybody always asks me, how do you get these guys on the show? So how did we get Sean Ryder on the show? We just emailed his publicist. I saw on Twitter that he was going out on a new tour for his band Black Grape. And I thought, huh, I wonder if if the press gates are open for him right now. I knew we had a, an episode coming up with him. I emailed her, and she started asking questions about the show, and we we went back and forth, and finally she said, okay, here's a number you need to call. And then I looked at that number. I said, ooh, there's a lot of numbers in that phone number. I got to figure out how to fucking call the, call the UK. <laughs> but we figured it out, and we got on the phone with... Sean Ryder himself. Let's go now to 
our interview with Happy Monday's frontman with their uh, uh, preserved head, Sean Ryder. <laughs> Sean Ryder, this is Dylan Flynn of the podcast Hallelujah Monkeys. And this is uh, Trevor Ickrath of the podcast Hallelujah Monkeys. Sean, welcome to the show. Hi, dude. It's amazing, incredible to be talking to you. Uh, Truly an honor. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you've heard, we're a, we're a gorillas-focused podcast. Number one in the world. And within this community, you you mean so, so much to this community of fans. It's incredible. Oh, right. Okay. That's nice. You also meant an awful lot to Damon Albarn. You know, I don't know if you remember this, but back in 2005 in an interview with Notion Magazine, he actually said that he wanted to uh, work with you in the Gorillas Project, in part because you were one of the only people in the entertainment industry who really stood up for him and, and was able to cheer him up back in the 90s when he was going through the feud with Oasis. I don't know if you if you have any memories of, of a young David Alvarn. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah, yeah. What do you think What do you think you might have said to Damon that, that made such an impact? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. I, I mean, I can really remember the 1960s better than the 90s, and I was eight <laughs> when they ended. <laughs> right. Well, you, you strike me as a guy who's quite sweet and a good listener and quite patient. Okay. Can, well, oh, no, no <laughs> argument from you? You don't think so? <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering, what do you think you might have said to him that, that would have lasted? What would you say to him now if you met that? Damon Albarn, who was all all torn up about the the way the tabloids were dealing with him and etc. Oh well, I just if now I just say, hey, you're going to become great friends. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're buddy buddy now. About. You've probably seen it with their own eyes. Yeah, well, you know, all the bullshit when you kids just sort of goes out the window when you grow up, doesn't it? It it does. It definitely does. But um, I know it might be equally hazy, but. How about we talk about uh, your time with Gorillas recording Dare back in 2004, I believe it was. Oh, you know. So, so when you showed up to work on the Gorillas project, to your memory, did Damon ever play you anything else or try to see if you could do vocals on another song, or was it always just Dare? Uh, I'm not too sure about that. I think it was just, from what I can remember, I think it was just Dare. And it was really simple. I mean, my story is I put the cans on, he hit the tune, and it was really low. And I started saying, up, up, it's going up. And he started turning up, and I'm going, it's going up, it's going up, it's going up. And then I said, it's there. Uh, you know, and that was it. That's what I, that's how, what I remember. I mean, he has a different story, but I'm pretty sure that's how it was. I think, I think he's also told that version of the story. Yeah, most Gorillaz fans are pretty familiar with that anecdote. And that's a pretty famous, uh, well, well-known story within the, the fan community, but I, I want to see if I can, if I can bring it into slightly sharper focus. Now, in that form, when you first started working on that song, what was the song? Did it have a name yet? Were there any vocals on it, or was it just a... No, no, there was nothing. There was no vocals on it. I don't think it had a name. Uh, yeah. So then, did you did you did you only do that one session, or did you come back multiple days and work on the song? From what I can remember, I think I might. I mean, I might have gone there once or twice, but no more than that. Maybe even once, you know. 
I mean, it was still, you know, I mean, I was still pretty much in the days of being totally off me tits. <laughs> You know, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, your your substance regimen was legendary during that time, I know. Uh, I mean, I could, I, I, when I see that video now, and I've, got, I've, I've not got one tooth in me, in, me, in me head. You know, there's not a tooth in there as I was watching that video. <laughs> You know, you do you do pull off the sort of undead look uncannily well in that video. <laughs> oh, dude, I swear to God, I was dead for for a few years. Someone brought me back to life. But the, but the reason I ask is that it, you know if you if the name of and the hook from that song came from that that legendary moment of you asking your headphones to be turned up, then it it stands to reason that then all of those verses must have been written after that moment. You got to press it on you. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much I'm pretty much sure. About, I mean, also it, it gave me a present, Damon. It gave me a a. a it's sort of a, a pebble oh, uh, that somebody in Morocco <laughs> gave him uh, some chief or something and said, look, here's my, this presence for you, it's my lucky pebble, and, uh, and everything goes right while you've got this pebble. And, and Damon gave, and he had good luck from them, and Damon gave me that pebble. God, giving, giving a collaborator a magical lucky pebble is such a Damon Auburn move. Do you still have it? I've still got it, yeah. Can you trace it to moments of good luck, or do you think he was full of shit? Well, you know, do you know what? You can make things up yourself thinking that. You know what I mean? If you've got that pebble and you go, well, this pebble's going to be lucky for me, and you think it, like you can think yourself thin, you know, I'm pretty sure that you can think yourself, you're having good luck through that pebble. The power of positive thinking. So then in your, just to quickly circling back, so then in your estimation, all of those verses, all the lyrics we know from Dare, those had to have been written after you asked for your headphones to be turned up on that recording session day. Well, I mean, I, I, I think so. I mean, maybe he had some other stuff stashed or some ideas, but I didn't hear any. That's pretty. That's pretty amazing to think how quickly it all came together. What What do you think? What do you, in your estimation, what do you think that song is really about? What do you think Dare is about? What does it make you think of anyhow? It mean it, to me, it makes me think of pressing a pebble on your head and going, "I want some fucking good luck, mate." <laughs> you gotta press it on. You gotta you. press it on you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's terrific. I love that. Um, here's a, here's another important Sean Ryder moment in the Gorilla story. Okay, there's a there's a a, a, a very infamous uh, uh, performance of Dare that that's featured in the Gorillas concert film oh. live at the Manchester Opera House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. You okay? So you know the performance that I'm talking about. You've seen the performance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so so as you probably remember, it's it's probably best known for featuring, let's call it a a pre sobriety Sean Ryder performance. Uh, yeah, in all of in all of its glory, <laughs> to say the least. By the way, night and day contrast between that performance and then the performance that was that was sort of streamed from Manchester last year for that big festival in Margate. I mean, you, oh right, not yet, right? Okay, yeah. You look just so yeah. sharp, and you were—I mean, you were—you were a pop star all over again in that one. But I, first of all, I wonder—is it—is it tough for you to go back to watch the old footage of the old Sean Ryder? What do you think? 
I would for me if I ever find out that there's a video of me drunk at a party or something, it's torture. It's torture to watch. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the video's torture. I mean, it's like fuck's sake, get some you fucking teeth done, lad. But you know what I mean? When you fucking drunk to fucking full of heroin, you don't really give a fuck, do you? I believe that's the intended effect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the time, I know there were some rumors flying around that, that perhaps Damon had told you off after a performance when he felt that things had gotten too chaotic. Do you have any, do you have any, any memories of a disapproving Damon? I mean, do you know what? Damon's really polished. You know, he likes everything spot on. And, and I always say, well, what the fuck did you pick on me for? <laughs> you know, but he never did. I mean, he never, he, you know, he never, never said a bad word, never had an argument. Well, I remember, I remember uh, having a friend who had gone to every night of that residency. And, and he was really saying that, you know, the, the crowd would get so excited every night in your entrance because you were the hometown boy. You're, you are Manchester in some, some corners at least. And it seemed like there was just so much goodwill, so much goodwill. And then there might have been like one night towards the middle of the run where things had just gone too far off the rails. The song had to be sort of stopped and restarted again. And, and uh, yeah, it, sound, it sounds like it was, a, it, was a, it was a slightly troubled period for you. Right. I, I certainly don't remember him getting, you know, I mean, maybe the song did stop or whatever. We had, you know, yeah, but I mean, I, I just... If you say that, then I'll have to believe you. <laughs> well, hey, I'm I'm not the gospel. I want to know. I would love to know when uh, Rosie Wilson or Roses Gabor, as she's professionally known, your your collaborator on Dare, the vocalist. Yeah. What's it, What's your working relationship with her like? Is it fun to come back and and do the song with Roses again on stage? What's she like? Yeah, she's great. Yeah, Rosie's great. She's a great artist. She puts up with me, you know what I mean? <laughs> she puts up with me, so she's, you know. And you can see the love. You can always see the love between you guys when you guys are performing on stage. It's so lovely. Yeah, there's a real camaraderie. So you've got more than a decade sobriety under your belt now. Congratulations, yeah, by the congrats. way. Yeah, Thank you very much. It's a big deal. How, at this point, you know what? People, people don't really think about it, but it's a... It's an everyday thing. At this point, do you feel the struggle as much, or has it all kind of settled down? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, it's, it's so easy just being, uh, you know, just being uh, straight, whatever you want to say. Just being, just always not being off your tits, really. Yeah. Life's a lot easier. The hard, the hard work is over, so to speak, yeah. as, as far as getting and, getting and staying clean. That's, that's amazing. I wonder if... Uh, if you have any advice to any of our listeners who are fighting, trying to get off something right now and stay off it, what what do you think works to keep you on the path of, of straight and clean? Short of having a magical lucky pebble. Well, I, I mean, what, really, what ended up working for me in the end, really, instead of rehabs and everything, is I got on my bike and I fucking rode it, you know, through a full withdrawal from 7 o'clock in the morning till 12 midnight for God knows how long. Would you ever? Would you ever get the the head turn? The that's Sean Ryder. Look at that. That's Sean Ryder on that bike. What's he doing on that bike? Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, had, I sort of had uh, a few disguises going on. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I you got to you got to tell me what do you what do you put on when you want to blend in? I gotta know. Just fucking mad big hats or something. You know, something that doesn't stand out like you know riding through Padfield with a cowboy arm. Oh, I love that. That's great. What an image. I am, I am joking over there. I am I'm, I'm, I'm joking. 
Well, Sean, you're just about to go out on tour with Black Great, but Gorillas also have some live dates coming up in the U.S. Are we going to be able to see you at any of those shows? Uh, if I get asked and I'm uh, available, then, you know, yeah. Who makes that phone call? Is that a, is that a Damon Albarn phone call, or do or does do his people make that phone call typically? I, I think it's his people. Uh, yeah, I think it's his people. I mean, yeah, obviously, Damon, you know, will say if he wants it on or not. But uh, yeah, his people make a phone call when you when you show up for a for a you know a Margate or a Glasgow or, you know a Gorillas performance after a long hiatus. What the, do you always make a point of reconnecting with Damon, having a chat with Damon? What's that like? What's that like? It's uh, it's, it's alright. Yeah, you know. He's a cool dude. He's a cool guy. He is. He's a really, he's a really nice bloke. Does it feel like there's sort of a continuity in your relationship with Damon Armbar and he continues to be the same guy more or less every time you check in? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a Taoist there's a Taoist consistency to the man. That's what I've always <laughs> that's what I've always that's what I've always felt. Hey, Sean, uh, I don't have I don't have too much more to ask you about here, other than uh, than the episode that that you're currently being interviewed for is is an in depth track by track review of of the Happy Mondays album Pills and Thrills and Belly Aches. We're gonna go song by song through the record. We're going to talk trivia. We're going to pick our favorites and et cetera, et cetera. But one thing we like to do on this show with every album we review is we like to pick three words that we think best describe that album. We call them uh, gorillatives. And I was wondering if just just on the fly, off the top of your head, if you can think of what you the three words that you think best summarize Pills and Thrills and Belly Aches by, by the Happy Mondays. Oh, uh, mm. Fucking lucky, mate. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Not going to get any better than that. Sean, before we let you go, uh, Dylan and I have uh, really been looking forward to the opportunity to ask you if you would be so kind. And uh, before you go, just give us a little, uh, it's coming up, it's coming up, it's coming up. It's Hallelujah Monkeys. Do you think you could do that for us? Yeah, of course I will. You got, you got to change it, though. Instead of it's there, you got to say, it's Hallelujah Monkeys. Will you do it? Will you do it, Sean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Here we go. Sean Ryder, take it away. It's coming up. It's coming up. It's coming up. It's coming up. It's Hallelujah Monkeys. Great. Hell yeah. Oh, so Sean Ryder, as I live and breathe, this was amazing. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. We love you. Yeah. Sean, again, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure and an honor having you on the show. Cheers, dude. Nice one. And with that, we'll say goodbye. Bye, Sean. Bye. Have a good day. Ta-da. Wild. Wild. How great was that? I mean, he couldn't have been more Sean Ryder-y. Like, no, I mean, ev- <laughs> and everything about that interview was so, I, I think, just perfect. Like, that story about Damon giving him the lucky pebble. Did that make you, that had to have made you think about him showing that picture of the giant bell to Graham Coxon? Yeah, and it makes me think that every, like, every Gorillaz collaborator probably has this one weird story. And that he comes up with th- these things before, like, they, like, come into the studio just to inspire them. Like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do for Sean? I'm, and then maybe he, like, spots, like, a particularly round-looking pebble on the ground, and he, like, snatches it up, and he's like, I know. I'll tell him that this is a lucky pebble and see how he reacts to that. What if every collaborator has, like, a trinket that was given to them by David Albarn when they recorded, and if we were to gather them all into one room, it would, it would like, summon some kind of weird demon? <laughs> 
they've all got parts of his soul like stored away inside them. You know what? I here's here's a big take, but after that interview, I officially 100% believe the coming up coming up story. Oh yeah, I mean, it there was something about hearing him tell it directly to us and just like the clarity in which he spoke about the story makes me feel like that's that's the reality of the situation. It's not just a tall tale coming from the gorilla's camp. I feel like the, the questions I had about the timeline of it all were, were more or less settled as well. This is twice now on this show where we've come into an interview with a with a classic piece of gorilla's misinformation and, and got our story straightened out. I mean, what a what a treasure, what a joy to speak to to such a, a cultural icon as as Sean Ryder in service of our Rinky Dink Gorillas podcast and uh, Only on Hallelujah Monkeys, folks. Only on Hallelujah Monkeys, for sure. And you know what else only happens on this podcast? Me and you talking about an album track by track. So do you want to get into our discussion of the Happy Monday's 1990 album Pills and Thrills and Belly Aches? Trevor, there's nothing I'd like to do more. Sean Ryder was born in Manchester in 1962 and described himself as a proper little artful dodger at school. The band, which was to become Happy Mondays, was formed in 1979 and by 1990 had released their third and most acclaimed album, Pills and Thrills and Belly Aches. Oh boy, I've been really looking forward to this episode, not only for that interview, but to talk about this record. Uh, yeah, what a, what, a fun little, what a fun little album that we kind of got to just spend a little time with following our labyrinthian dissection of... You know the four-hour-long record that is Millennium <laughs> Metaphors. Yeah, they're definitely two very different creatures, and and mm-hmm. even back to back like this is definitely interesting. I thought it might be a nice thing to do up top here for us to maybe do a quick little trip down memory lane to try to understand the Mad Chester scene a little better. We touched on it briefly, I think, when we discussed the baggy movement back on our episode about Leisure by Blur, because they uh, do kind of exist within the same proximity of each other. But... I think the idea is that baggy is is almost a subgenre of Mad Chester, which is interesting yep. to think about a small, a small, quickly, like shortly lived genre like Mad Chester having its own kind of outgrowths and there are kind of shout uh, a little sh- there's kind of a little shout out to the baggy movement on this album there is there is i know what you're talking about so mad chester the reason i'm bringing it up of course is that the happy mondays uh record we're talking about today is a definitive mad chester release it was a cultural scene it was centered in manchester uh from about 1988 until about 1992 it's a we're talking a, a brief period in time, uh, and it was defined by the blending of alt and punk rock with acid house and rave music. Right, and some other bands that came out of the Manchester scene famously were the Stone Roses. I'd say I'd say in 2018, the only two names you gotta know are the Stone Roses and Happy Mondays. Yeah, I, I was struggling to come up with another example there. At the time, there were dozens of them, and not unlike New York punk and New, and New Wave and its connection to CBGB's, uh, the venue in, in New York City. Manchester is also heavily associated with a live venue, which was called the Hacienda. It was this nightclub that was actually funded and founded by New Order, synth pop outfit New Order. Oh, fun. In his book about the club, which is titled The Hacienda, How Not to Run a Nightclub, uh, bassist Peter Hook of both New Order and Joy Division uh, describes how the Hacienda was eventually hijacked by these rival drug gangs who are all fighting for the right to supply 
its club goers with this new drug that was just starting to take off in the UK called Ecstasy. That sounds like the kind of setting that this album takes place in. Like, that's the environment you expect to find a character like Sean Ryder operating in. Absolutely. And my favorite quote from that little section of that book from Peter Hook was, he said, stabbings were commonplace. <laughs> so more of a blue Monday than a happy Monday. Definitely. And, uh, and the story of the Hacienda and its best-known performers was told in a 2001 uh, dramedy biopic, 24-Hour Party People. Named after the Happy Monday song. Exactly. That's definitely a future movie night for us. We got to oh, sure. do yeah, that. I can't wait to watch that with you. So... Happy Mondays, one of the two defining groups of this movement, was formed in 1980. They were it was it was vocalist Sean Ryder and his brother, bassist Paul Ryder, uh, but the group didn't actually release its first single until 1985. And then <clears throat> behind those two, you've got guitarist Mark Day, keyboardist Paul Davis. And uh, drummer Gary Whelan. And then also this album adds a new backup singer named uh, Rowetta, who's a, a British-Jewish-Nigerian vocalist. Right, and they also had a kind of live-only member, too, didn't they? I believe he's doing a little bit of Shake, Shake, shaking on the record as well. There's one other member who would really define the image of Happy Mondays <laughs> and kind of become an enduring, like... British cult celebrity, and this man's name is Mark Berry, better known as Bez. Bez. And his his official title within the band was Maraca Player, Dancer, and Mascot. <laughs> How many bands have their own mascot? Not too many. One famous Bez story that I'm I'm gleeful to be able to tell you, Trevor. At a gig at the Hacienda in uh, 1986. He fell off the stage, Dell style, uh, and gashed his head open quite badly. And an on-site medic kind of put a bandage on it and told him that he needed to go sit down and elevate his feet. And then, quote, Bez, I thought, I'm not fucking having that. I got some acid off me mate, dropped it in the cut, and ran back out with me shakers. Fucking Raz. Wow. <laughs> That's that's the that's the Happy Mondays lifestyle, right? The outfits, danceable beats, and catchy guitar riffs made them a hit with club goers. But the Ryder brothers' clever, hedonist lyrics and subject matter also grabbed the attention of the critics. And in one instance, Paul McCartney, who told the NME in a, in a 1991 interview, I saw the Happy Mondays on TV, and they reminded me of the Beatles in their Strawberry Fields phase. Huh. Interesting, right? I could just picture I could just picture Paul McCartney in the, in the audience of a Happy Mondays gig and everything's going crazy and he's just like, "Oh, lovely. How great. This is so fun." Oh, the the dancing Moroccan man, he's their Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> Today the band is is remembered mostly for two albums, 1988's Bummed and 1990's Pills and Thrills and Belly Aches, which uh, launched them into the mainstream and Madchester itself into the mainstream, and was described by critic Steve Erlewine as the definitive Madchester record. And and just in case you don't you don't believe us that Madchester is a is a Happy Mondays invention, they actually coined the phrase itself in one of their singles i believe it was hallelujah oh i didn't know that these these boys are inextricable from this uh, from this movement from this genre of music and we're going to be looking at arguably the definitive madchester album today i'm i'm excited to do it so let's get into it don't you want to talk about our gorilla tips 
Absolutely. Uh, I'd like to go first if I could. Sure. Um, I touched on this in our in our earlier discussion. My first one is debauched. I think it speaks for itself. Yep. Uh, my second one is blusterous. This seems to be an album that's, you know, it's almost overconfident in itself in a way. Sure. I like that. And then finally, my last one is is singular. I think the thing that I really took away from, from listening to this record, which, spoiler alert right now, I'm a big, big fan of this record. I think that this record is kind of like a like an an underappreciated 1990s classic and deserves to be a bigger part of the conversation than it is today in 2018. You really don't hear a lot of people talk about it. And really, like, you only see it when, like, Step On pops up in, like, movie soundtracks and stuff, I feel like. The reason I, I settled for on Singular eventually is that the thing that really took me about this is that Madchester, every now and then you get these you get these kind of flash in the pan genres, you know, like your your what was Witch House was one of them and like they show up, they the blogs kind of coin a term and everybody talks about it for 5 minutes and we all move on. This this is a sound though. This does not sound like anything else. Like it it does sound like other things, but it sounds like incongruent things that don't typically go together and that's why th- this record i i really started to lock into the fact that these grooves the way that they're built around the kind of the kind of cornball like sampley synthy house vibes along with the kind of detached cynical sneer of punk rock and indie alt rock really just makes an interesting an interesting composition that that I just don't know where else I can find it. Yeah, late 80s and early 90s like British and UK and Scottish alternative really was its own kind of thing and I feel like there's not a lot of it. Like a few months ago I got really into the Stone Roses and Primal Scream and like I tried looking for other bands that kind of satisfied the same urges as they did, but like there's really like I don't know, there's only a couple bands that really tapped into that sound, and it really was quite the flash in a pan. Madchester existed. It was real. It was a, a true blue music genre. It just didn't last very long. You know, it kind of got usurped by Britpop almost. It did. I think so. I think it, I think yeah. it opened doors for Britpop, and then Britpop kind of like climbed over its neck. You know? Stabbed it in the back. So uh, my first relative also, I think, speaks for itself in the same way Debauch does. Uh, Madcap. This is a zany record. Yeah. Um, the second one is, is uh, my second relative is Incorrigible. And I wanted to use that <laughs> as um, kind of like a springboard to talk about the difference between Sean Ryder and another really chaotic Mancunian that we've recently talked about on the program and another one that Gorillaz has collaborated with, uh, The Falls' Marky Smith. I think that there are certainly parallels. There are definitely parallels. They're both really chaotic individuals. But I think while Marky Smith is like a true evil chaos demon, Sean Ryder is more of a benign, mischievous little imp. His brand of chaos is much more fun and less threatening, and his intentions feel pure in a way that Marky Smith's never really did. Like, Sean's just trying to have a good time, which is something that's entirely off the table when it comes to the fall. I feel like the best way to describe the difference between the two is by explaining that, like, a fall concert would probably end with the audience all beating the shit out of each other and destroying the venue, while a Happy Mondays show is more likely to end with the audience having a big party and destroying the venue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like when the demon Marky Smith comes to earth, like leaves hell to go to earth. He's he like he's here to shoot daggers at people. He's here to cause mayhem. When the when the imp Sean Ryder, you know, escapes from hell and makes it onto earth, he's on holiday. He wants to yeah. 
He wants to go clubbing. He's here to turn things kind of topsy-turvy, but just because he's amused by it, not because he's a real, genuine source of destruction. I think Marky Smith is chaotic evil, and uh, Sean Ryder is chaotic neutral. I think as vocalists, they have certain things in common, too. I mean, there's a lot in common with these two gentlemen. Yeah, definitely. definitely... Like, for one, you need a dictation pedal to understand them half the time. (laughs) I would say that I'd give Sean's elocution... A little bit higher marks than than Marky Smith's, but I but I see where you're coming from. <laughs> he he says less too. He's not as wordy. I would also say though he's an impressive lyricist. He's a very good lyricist for sure. I can't wait to talk about his lyrics. Uh, and my last um, relative is unflappable because I think Sean may occasionally get in over his head here, but he never really loses his cool. Like in fact, I think the title of the record is kind of interesting because there are definitely a lot of pills and thrills, but I've never really noticed too many belly aches. That's a good point. I mean, you know, occasionally he's unhappy about things that are happening. But Yeah, and he like gets into trouble and wacky situations, but the the, the party never really stops. The no. party never really stops for sure. Nope. I think that uh, that it's time for us to start the party yeah. and crack into this very famous, very signature opening song, Kinky Afro. This one's really good. This is my third favorite track on the record. I, I really dig it. Oh, great. This is a big single in the U.S. as well. This actually made it to number one on the Billboard Modern Rock Charts in the U.S. Isn't that crazy? And and it's written like a conversation between a father and son. But I, what I really like about it is that the father's opening lines also read like Sean Ryder introducing himself to the audience. Son, I'm 13. I only went with your mother because she's 13. This is a good tee-up for a quote I have from uh, drummer Gary Whelan. Okay. Um, in an interview, he said, We would play the music, and Sean would be sat there on the floor scribbling down his lyrics. After putting down the track for Kinky Afro, I went outside for a smoke, and when I came back into the studio, that was the first time I heard his opening lyrics. Son, I'm 30. I only went with your mother because she's dirty. And thinking... Now that's a line to remember. It's great. And he, and he goes on. Oh yeah, the whole the whole opening verse is great. Son, I'm 30. I only went with your mother cuz she's dirty and I don't have a decent bone in me. What you get is just what you see. I see it so I take it freely and all the bad piss ugly things I feed me. I never help or give to the needy. So come on and see me. That's Sean Ryder, ladies and gentlemen. What a glorious, chaotic, evil entrance into this record. It's it's really good. And and that chorus is fantastic. That interpolation of uh, Lady Marmalade really made me turn my head the first time. That yippee, yippee, yeah, 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 yeah. He really sounds, when he does it, he sounds so much like he does in the interview he did with us when we asked yeah. him about, uh, uh, if you remember the Manchester. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's so funny. It's like, the, oh boy, that's the guy from the record. Yeah. <laughs> As a, as a vocalist, you know, and a writer of melodies, he's definitely more swagger than substance, but he's got enough of that swagger to really make it work for him, I think. Mm-hmm. And these arrangements here are just propulsive. The bass is just bouncing us back and forth, essentially between two chords, and that guitar riff is just cutting over the top of everything like a like a saw blade. And Sean, he's, he's sneering like there's no tomorrow here. There's some really lovely strings in the mix, too. Oh, for sure, yeah. Some of that I think is keys, and some of that is probably like a, a little sampler, you know? Yeah. Remember, this, you're listening to house music happening at the same time as punk music, essentially. That's that's the that's the concept of Manchester, yeah. Kinky Afro, not a surprise that it's become one of their one of their signature numbers, and it's a it's a it's a definite highlight. 
and my number three on the record. Up next is my number two on the record and number two on the album, God's Cop. Hey, what do you know? It's my number three on the record, so we're hey. we're, we're rotating around each other here. Um, this song has one of my favorite intros on the record, like that guitar it fucking slaps. That opening riff. And the drums coming in is one of the punchiest moments on the album. It's just like a hellish carnival train or something, and like I'd love to hear um like Graham Coxon circa nineteen ninety two play it. For sure. And then, like, you're, you're locking into that rip, and then these acid house drums start up. These bongo, you know, cowbell acid drums start kicking in. You're like, oh, fuck, man. This is the Madchester. This is Madchester right now, right? Like, that's... Really dig it. That's the sound. Apparently, Sean wrote this song about uh, Manchester's then-chief constable, James Anderton, who... Uh, declared war on the on the ecstasy scene of, of Manchester and also famously claimed that he spoke directly to God and received messages from God as well as uh, saying some really awful things about gay people and women and uh, another little band you might have heard of uh, wrote about James and that band is called The Fall <laughs> and in the in the song Hit the North the hallowed uh, Antichrist MES himself sings uh Cops can't catch criminals, but what the heck? They're not too bad. They talk to God. <laughs> Great. That's a really good fall song. Yeah, I also read a little bit about uh, James Anderton, and one of my favorite things about this song is that it establishes a kind of like nemesis character for Sean Ryder, who I think this song kind of cast as like almost like a Robin Hood of the Manchester scene. He's never better than he is on this chorus, like just yeah. wailing, God made it easy. So good. Then that me and the chief got soul to soul, slowly Love stoned it. line is so good. Me and the chief got slowly stoned. Fucking great. He's so yeah. good. He's a prince of chaos. I love him. And, and this song has another really great string part. It comes in like halfway through and it's so dancey and great. Love it. And you called him an imp. What about here at the end when he literally starts like chattering like a little gremlin? Yeah, doing weird little goblin vocals. That's very fun. Yeah, this is this is a real winner. For sure. And I think the winners keep on coming if you ask me. I'm a big fan of this next one, Donovan, my number one on the record. Really? Cool. This one took me a little while to lock into, but eventually I like it's, it's still not my favorite musically on the album, but eventually I locked into a read that turned it into like definitely one of my favorite moments on the record. Well, one of the first things that made me lock into it is it's got some very Gorillaz-esque touches to it. Like it's that right. keyboard voice they're using sounds, I think, more than just a little bit like a melodica. And then I was hearing an accordion there. Sure. And he's got the he's got the slap echo effect on his voice in the song that's like straight out of the swagger. Uh huh. It has some great demonic poetry in it. Yeah, like I, I, I feel like I'm probably off base here, but I feel like this is a song about Sean going to a little drug party in some cheap motel with like half a dozen other junkies. Like he sets the scene like six cheap people in an empty hotel, every last one with a story to sell, and so they all like hang out and they get drugs from this dealer and they do a bunch of drugs, and then he wakes up the next morning and he finds that like everyone's overdosed but him, and so he just kind of sneaks out. And I think that happens in like the end of the song when he goes, all my flock has packed up and flocked back off to hell. Open up the doors so the place don't start to smell. Carry on with what you're doing because you don't do it that well. I've been umpteen different people and no one else can tell. 
followed by that amazing like rewriting of the chorus lyric sunshine shines brightly through my asshole today <laughs> yeah which is which is a shout out to uh the folk singer donovan who the track is named after from the 60s i also think that this one has an incredible drop like the first half of the song is just keys and bass and like some very kind of like understated dancey drums and then sean sounds like he's a little bit off in the distance then they do that second chorus and just gary just hits like this explosive snare the whole band throws down like they fucking mean it It would not shock me if this song was an influence on, like, LCD Sound System's Dance Yourself Clean, which has that similar oh, sure. kind of slow build to that big hit and everybody coming coming in for the party, you know? like Yeah, this one does take a little while to take off, but once it gets going, it's really good. Can't get enough of it. Love it. I think lyrically it's a, it's a, it's a masterpiece. And, uh, that one lyric, I've been umpteen different people and no one else can tell, is great. Donovan... Super great track, uh, and uh, and I'm I gotta say the streak hasn't ended yet because I want to talk to you about Grandbag's funeral. I think another another great track. This one's really fun. It's not one of my absolute favorites, but it's just yeah, tons of fun. There's a great interview that Paul Ryder did with a, with an outfit called Sabotage Times where they were talking about this song, and he said. I think it was probably about something very personal to Sean. In fact, I know that it was. And then the interviewer asks him, did you ever sit down with him to talk about his lyrics? And Paul said, no, we were far too northern for that. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Which then leads into another great conversation about how Sean at shows would read all of his lyrics off of pieces of paper on the floor. And then Paul says, it was our dad who used to write his words all out for him, then cello tape them to the floor near his microphone on the stage, and then Sean would walk along the stage over the course of the show reading them. You sent me that video of them doing Kinky Afro, and he's reading the lyrics from a sheet of paper in his hands in that one. It's so good, so good, and Bez is dancing like a madman. And yeah, yeah, yeah. This song's a real good time. I like to imagine it as about like um, his grandmother dying. And then all of his family gets together after the funeral and just gets totally wasted and like fucked up together. I have a slightly different read. I see this one as being about like a woman who has made the terrible mistake of dating Sean Ryder and she's sort of come as his plus one to his grandmother's funeral. Oh, that's a lot of fun. And he's showing her around his childhood neighborhood and he's like introducing her to his family. And then eventually we find out that because they're in a relationship together, he's like corrupting her to be a scumbag like him and introducing her to his like his hard drugging lifestyle on that on that chorus lyric uh uh skin up lady lady skin up now that we live together we both get fucked up oh yeah that makes sense (laughs) i really like that one lyric where they shout you can't wake him he's not sleeping great also great i definitely see it as like starting a little run of, of songs about corrupting innocent people with your Sean Ryderdom, because I think this next one also goes there. Not a, not another highlight, though. This is, where, this is where I think things slow down a little bit for me. Loose fit. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is a bit of just a mid-tier track for me as well. Kind of a mid-period album track. Not bad. Not bad. No, no, not bad at all, but just not... It doesn't compare with the other highlights that have come before it. This is the one that's kind of about the baggy movement. Definitely. And totally different totally different vibe than anything else so far. This groove is very mysterious. It's very sweaty. It's very nocturnal. It's got a different sound entirely. It's darker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously he's talking about the Hacienda. He's talking about the baggy scene. And I, I think it does follow up well on the on the Grand Bag's funeral theme of, of corrupting some innocents who get into your orbit. Imagine like an inexperienced newcomer finding their way into the Hacienda scene uh, on these on these lines that I like quite a bit. Don't know what you saw, but you know it's against the law and you know that you want some more. I've heard it all before. I also have that part in my notes. That's great. And the verse continues with one of my favorite lyrics on the album. Gonna buy an Air Force base, gonna wipe out your race, get stoned in different place. Don't you know I got better taste? He's a very good lyricist. I think that, yeah. I think that the drug-fueled Sean Ryder that we got to know in Demon Days, we we sort of maybe came to look at him as like a, a goofy sort of clown, you know, dinosaur of some old dance music scene but to come back and to look at his art like yeah the character that the character that i see him playing on this album very much is like i said a kind of like robin hood of the madchester scene like he seems like a guy who's maybe a little too old to be hanging out at the parties he is but he's still like really cool and he gets along well with everyone and he is always like in the know about where to get drugs and he's always kind of fucked up but he knows how to handle it and he's just like always a mainstay at every party. And he's like, and he's guy. got a he's got a good witty comeback ready for you. In in mod culture, you would have called him like the face. Yeah, I don't know, middle of the pack, but 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 totally serviceable. I think the fact that this is about the style of Manchester is makes it means it's worth revisiting the little uh, Wikipedia description about their clothes that I pulled from Wikipedia. Baggy jeans often flared alongside brightly colored or tie-dyed casual tops and general 60s style became fashionable first in Manchester and then across the country. Frequently topped off with a fishing hat in a style sported by the Stone Roses drummer Rennie. The overall look was part rave, part retro, or part hippie, part football casual. Many Manchester bands had football casual fans, and a number of bands even wore football shirts. This is the first, and I think a little trio of maybe stylistic departures on the record, because I think this next one also qualifies Dennis and Lois. Yeah, again, this one's not one of my favorites, but it's it's another fun song and another solid installment in the Happy Monday story. It's a lot more melodic than most of the things on this record. It's a lot brighter. The beat is very 70s with that yeah. like, piano and the clavinet and the slap bass. And Loose Fit was kind of like middle of the night. And this definitely is like, you know, big, big golden sunrise, especially with that like very funky clavichord and those bongos. And uh, mm -hmm. I did a little research. Here's an interesting factoid. So Dennis and Lois, this is about and named after a real life married couple from New York City who were like, huge, huge nerds for that kind of late 80s, early 90s British rock that you were talking about. Uh -huh. And they would show up to practically every gig the band played. And also, like, the Stone Roses talked about these guys. Lots of bands talked about these two because they were just... They were such a fixture of the scene. Prominent members of the Manchester fandom. Exactly. And in an interview, Paul uh, Ryder describes going over to their apartment with Sean while they were in New York... Uh, and that there was nowhere to sit because it was full of memorabilia from different bands and like also weird toys and boxes. Like you remember there was like a whole crate of rubber bacon 
And then the interviewer says, it sounds like they really made an impression on you and Sean. And Paul says, we just thought they were really weird. Great. <laughs> Nerds. Yeah, I love them. I wonder what they're up to today. This has one of my favorite Sean lyrics in it. And it reminds me of um, that story you told about Bez putting acid in his cut. It's a... Uh, you take it how you make it, like I knew you would. Let it bleed, let it heal, let me sleep. It's no good. Very good. And another great line in this one I love is, Honey, how's your breathing? If it stops for good, we'll be leaving. Oh, it's fantastic, yeah. <laughs> this also, I think, boasts one of the best bass lines on this record, especially during that chorus when it does that great disco step up, that and then it like cascades in this really cool way. And like, you know, Sean, his voice obviously has pretty hard limitations on it. So it's it's cool to hear him wrapping it around something with like a big, clear, bright, major key melody like this. Um, I, I also would not put this in like my top third of the record, but uh, but I don't know. It's a pretty it's a pretty solid one. I would say out of all the like out, out of the songs, I wouldn't call my favorites. I would say this is my favorite of those. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Now, if if we're gonna put something right at the bottom of the pack on this record, it's gonna be this next one for me. Bob's your uncle. Not a fan of Sean Ryder the Lover. It just makes me feel like Sean Ryder is fucking me, and I'm just I'm not down. Again, this. Not one of my favorites musically, but when I sat down to take notes of this song, which I hadn't liked previously, I found myself going to some pretty... I, I think it's an interesting track, okay? Because it paints an interesting portrait of Sean Ryder, the lover. Like, you don't really expect, like, thinking about the way, like, a dude like Sean Ryder would be in the bedroom, you don't really expect him to be the kind of character we see in this song. Like, he's surprisingly sensitive and considerate. It's, what do you want? to hear when we're making love. Yeah, He's yeah, also yeah. always asking per permission. He's saying, can I take you from behind and hold you in my arms? Not, I'm going to, or I want you. It's it's really interesting. Do you get a, do you get a slightly, if you do the math on this lyric, do you get a, a, some queer undertones to the lyric, four fall into bed, three giving head, one getting wet? It makes it sound like there's possibly some like male on male pairings happening in that equation. Sure, yeah, I think you can read that way. I gotta say, uh, I, I do love how this one goes full in on the house arrangements. The bongos are back, but also there's like that crunchy synth sax that only ever happened in house music. You know that? Yeah, there's, there's that sax, and then there's those wood, woodwinds too, which are yeah, those cool. synth flutes, and and you yeah. got Rowetta doing like a full on Chicago house vocalization style. It's just it's cool to see things tip so far away from rock on this one. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like. The Happy Mondays, the the house outfit is pretty cool. But I do want to read this quote from Rowetta in an interview about this song, and uh, and let's just let's just think about it through our 2018 lenses and, and pass some judgment on Happy oh Mondays. Boy. I had fun making Bob's your uncle because some of the band were trying to turn me on through the glass. Not just Sean, but Nathan, too. I had to do these moans in the song, so they were playing with themselves to try to rile me up, but oh, it had God. the opposite effect, and I kept laughing. That just sounds like, that's just workplace sexual harassment, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Boys, we need, we need you to watch this instructional videotape about how not to play with yourself. I would have been very surprised, though, if, if they had recorded this album and nobody's dick had gotten out. Not that that's any excuse. The, the the main thing here is just that he's he's doing this like whispery grunt thing and it's just seductive. 
delivery. I don't know if I can lock into that. I can't sure. lock into that. You know, it's just, uh, I agree with you. I like to hear him, you know, seeking that verbal consent. I like to hear him being a considerate uh, a bedfellow. But uh, but in the studio, he was really just pulling his dick out. Yeah, he didn't ask for a wetta. He didn't yeah. say, hey, <laughs> what do you want to see while you're recording this vocal? There is one lyric here that I really do like, and it's... uh. What do we need to relive to bring us close? Oh, that's a good line. Yeah. Really fascinating in a poetic kind of way, I think. Oddly sensitive, too. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's let's talk about it. You mentioned it already. It's definitely it's definitely the signature Happy Monday song. Let's talk about Step On. This is my number one on the record. Probably no surprise. Yeah, it's it's not a top three for me, but I but I do definitely see it as being in like a tradition of songs we've talked about on the show, like the Plastic Beach uh, title track or Me Myself and I, in that it feels like it's the most like cleanly packaged version of this sound that the album has been exploring up until this point, you know. And you've kind of needed to explore the album first to have gotten to a point of recognition for it. Yeah, exactly. And this this feels like. They've refined it to the point that like they could they could make this little three and a half minute long pop song version of it and everybody in the UK can hear it on the radio and go, Oh, I get it. I get this. Yeah, I understand yeah. what this is. Interestingly enough, and I never knew this until I prepared my notes for the record, this is a cover. It is. It's a cover yeah. of a nineteen seventy one song by South African singer songwriter John Congas, which is I listened to that version. Did you listen to that version? Yeah, I didn't like it as much as this one. It was very seventies, very kind of swampy. Yeah, kind of swampy, rootsy, guitar rock. Yeah, I, I got to say, I much prefer the arrangements here. The the pianos and the guitars and the gospel vocals are just incredible. There is one uh, piece of original <laughs> writing on this one, which is the unforgettable recurring spoken pain. Uh, you twisted my melon, You're man. You're twisting my melon, man. And then he goes, call the cops. Call the great. cops. When I hear him go, you're twisting my melon, man, it sounds like he's like, getting high with a couple of his buddies and one of them just said something like fake deep so sean yeah. is kind of like giving them shift for it ribbing them like oh yeah, you twisted doing a my bit mouth, about how, how how mind-blowing it was yeah yeah sean's 2011 autobiography is titled twisted my melon my first time through this record taking notes like weeks ago when i when i first gave it a play and was just like jotting some things down you know, I, I've heard this song in, like, needle drops a lot, but I haven't yeah. necessarily listened to it beginning to end. And there's that there's that whistle towards the end of the... He starts the whistling. The whistle is fantastic. Yeah, and I and I wrote down uh, my first time through this song. I'll say this for Sean Ryder. He's no Andrew Bird. <laughs> no, but, but that's my favorite thing about it, how poorly he's whistling. I've, yeah, like, it's fun. It's fun. I'm sure they could have gotten a better track, but the fact that they are a better take. But the fact that they use this one is just so good. Doesn't get to my top three, I think, just because I like some of the some of the other takes on this formula a little bit better. But I mean, there's a lot to love here, and I and I'm a big fan of it. I think there are songs on this album with lyrics that have more interesting things going on in them. And, but this really just is my favorite. I feel like this one kind of almost transcends the whole album and just becomes like the Manchester sound. You can't say shit about this groove. It's an incredible groove. It's undeniable, yeah. Picking my top three for this album, I had to go with either the ones that like I thought were like the total jams or the ones that like I had the most fun digging into lyrically. And I ended up going with the jams. But I will say the next song is one that's my favorite lyrically, Holiday. <laughs> 
This is my number two on the record. I love this one. Slow down, bitch. Bitch, slow down. Oh, do you think he... I wrote that down, too. I think he never sounds more like he does on Dare at that moment when he... Hold it down versus bitch, slow down. Sure, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. It's such a good piece of writing, though. I want to read... Can I... Can I do the the bit, the great bit in the second verse with, <laughs> with the customs agent? So clearly this song is inspired by uh, a customs agent confiscating Sean's drugs while he yeah, was... Yeah, Sean uh, trying to smuggle drugs up his ass through the TSA while going on holiday. And there's this great line like written in from the perspective of the customs agent in the second verse that I love so much where he goes, I'm here to harass you. I want your pills and your grass, you. You don't look first class, you. Let me look up your ass, you. I smell dope. I smell dope. I smell dope. I am smelling dope. Great. <laughs> and and that's a play on the first time they use that melody there where he's going, I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm so good, man. I'm so good. And I see that as him and his junkie friends just kind of like nodding at each other and going like, we're totally cool. Nobody knows what's going on. We're going to make it. It's all going to be good. <laughs> This is a really fun one. This groove is fucking amazing. This yeah, it's is also like a lot of fun musically. Very watery and kind of fiery all at once. It's got a perfect Happy Mondays baseline on it, and it's got all these interesting textural things. Like there's those seagulls that start squawking towards the back end of the song as well. Yeah, because he's going on vacation. I really like uh, uh, Rowetta here doing those big epic. Those holidays are very good as well. Uh, and Sean's locking into something with this melody too. It's like almost verging on bluesy, but it's very, it's very captivating. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a very good Sean performance in my opinion. Yeah, Step On and Holiday kind of I think are a nice little pick me up at the end of this record. Like after a couple of tracks where the record kind of dips, this is a real nice peak towards towards the climax. This is a a, a pretty impeccably sequenced record because you get your, you get your style exercises there in that middle run, you know. Mm -hmm. And some of them are maybe a, a step down from the stuff on the record. Uh, but they're still interesting and engaging and giving But you they're still interesting into. and engaging. And clearly they didn't want to leave anything on the album that couldn't hold your attention because we're already at the end of this fucking album with the 10th track that will take us right up to the 43 minute mark when this album ends. Harmony. Not one of my, again, not one of my, I don't think this album closes on a particularly big or strong note, but it's a nice little tune to go out on. I think it's a, it's a, it's a lovely, it's an equally chaotic way to end the record to how chaotically Kinky Afro started it, just in a slightly different way. Okay. So there's some very chaotic kind of guitar noodling and there's a, the lyrics are interesting. It's a fascinating kind of like two stands of poem from Sean about. Yeah, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony, which is that line from the Coke commercial. Yeah, the Coke. Cut it up in little tiny bits and give it all away for free. Very interesting. And then and then that second stanza about taking all of our good ideas and like what throwing them in a soup pot or something. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Little poem. Um, and then and then Paul Ryder, if you want a little insight into this song, he summarized it really nicely uh, when he said. We were rehearsing it for the tour, and we were like, this song is fucking mental. And no wonder, because we were all on opium when we made it. <laughs> but it, but it, it starts to feel a little bit like a curtain call for a musical, like a fucked up ecstasy-fueled update on air or something. Like, you can kind of see the Happy Mondays running out and, like, joining hands to take a bow. But then it pulls a total... She's so heavy, and it stops just without warning in the fucking middle of a jam at like yep. 
before it has a, a second to sort of outstay its welcome, it just pulls the rug out from underneath you, which is why I see it as kind of just like this orally great companion to those opening lyrics on, on Kinky Afro, just kind of establishing this as like a chaotic classic. Sure, you know? I, I can feel that. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a very happy Monday's move to go out on. I mean, as a song, it's not something I just put on, but I love I love what it does on this record, for sure. It's a fitting close to the album, for sure, yeah. And that's uh, that's Pills, Thrills, and Bellyaches. You guys, go listen to this record. It's 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 fun, it's smart, it's painless, it's great. It's very breezy, you'll just fly through it. It's a, a good party time. Definitely. Uh, do you want to get into our moments? Moments. Let's talk about our top three moments. Uh, my number three we just mentioned. It's when the album cuts out in the middle of the harmony jam. <laughs> nice, nice. My number three is when Sean Ryder's melon gets twisted on Step On. <laughs> Great moment. My number two, I mean, what else could it be? The, the kinky Afro opening lyrics are, are unforgettable. Mine is uh, when Sean gets an anal cavity search after trying to snuggle drugs past airport security. Definitely a standout, an unforgettable yeah. time. And my number one, I got to say, it's that drop in Donovan when the fucking drums and the guitars come in. Sick. The dro- I, don't, I don't know what I like better, the drop in Donovan or the drop at the beginning of uh, God's Cop. God's Cop has a really good intro. Amazing, too, when the fucking drums come in. Yeah, Jesus. But my, but my number one on the album, my, my favorite moment is probably when Sean wakes up the morning after a drug party in a sleazy motel to find that all of his friends have OD'd and he just kind of shrugs it off and sneaks away <laughs> it's a very great moment it's a very yeah. great moment donovan's a good song man holy shit you guys what what is this show even we're talking to full life cypher we're talking to sean Ryder. we're going to witness and to 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 bear witness to the end of gorillas At demon days in just a week or as i like to call it their little break <laughs> <laughs> thanks mom i kind of feel like not unlike Sean Ryder, that right now it's all party and the and the belly aches have not hit yet. I know that no. that it's gonna come. It's gonna this. I'm gonna crash from this and then be like, fuck these last these amazing two years of my life with this band and it's all it's all winding down. But I have not. I've managed to have enough fun with all the gorillas things happening in my life to not have to have that moment of reckoning yet, Trevor. So I'd like to tell you what we'll be back with next. I I would assume that it might be the Demon Days episode. I'm not 100% Probably, sure. But, but the next actual episode of Hollow You Monkeys, we're going to be talking about Black on Both Sides by Most Deaf. And you may be wondering, they talked to Sean Ryder, they talked to Fly Cypher, will they talk to Most Deaf? And I'll just say, don't hold your breath on that. <laughs> It would be nice, though. It would be nice, though. We'll do what we can. Uh, before we get going, Dylan, do you want to tell everybody where they can find us online? Fuck yeah. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram. And uh, and you should definitely, if you're a SoundClouder, you should either get on the 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 Spotify bandwagon or go to monkeys.podient.co in order to continue to listen to our show on a, on a mobile-friendly uh, website that will... Let you let you hear the episodes as they come out. Also, we're doing some great stuff over on the Patreon as usual. So make sure to go to uh, patreon.com slash monkeys for the latest in the Patreon Club. Just some real classics uh, dropping over there. All you need to pay is $1 to get access to the full archive and everything that we put out after that. And yeah, that's uh, that's all the stuff that I have to tell you about other than you should follow us uh, individually on Twitter. I'm uh, at Dylan Flynn. And I'm at Trevor Ickrath with all the vowels taken out. So it's T-R-V-R-K-R-T-H. Perfect. That's it. We've reached the end of this happy Monday celebration. We did. So for now, I'll just say that I have been Trevor Ickrath. I've been Dylan Flynn. 
Until next time, don't get lost in heaven. Demo. See you on Good Friday. Oh, you speak so weird, man.